Hey, Gretna family. I'm Gregory, and I'm privileged to bring you the welcome talk for the day. Um, in this really just different and difficult time in our lives, we're really looking forward to being able to connect with one another, even if it is online. We can't connect in person because of obvious reasons, but doing this at least gives us the community aspect of the church, and that's really what God calls us to, is this connection, this really deep, abiding, just reliance on one another for our daily and even hourly needs. So, a bit of housekeeping. Um, up here on the, on the top right, you'll see a window, which basically gives you your chat. So we would encourage you to use that to connect with one another as the stream progresses. Talk about what you're learning, talk about whatever, or just say, hi, I'm on the stream, thanks for coming. You know, because that's what we're here for. Um, you'll also see links to our website, our giving platform, and a few other things, especially our social media where you can follow us and get daily updates on many different things. And we also encourage you to just, if you ever need anything, reach out to us. We'll do what we can about praying, helping, or just being there because that's what we are as a church. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Then we're going to get into our music. And then Pastor Rob will give the sermon for the week. And we will hopefully grow closer to God and grow closer to each other through that. Lord, I just pray over all these people in chat right now, wherever they are in the world. Thank you for the willingness that they have to connect with the body. Thank you for the dedication they show to each other and to you through that. Thank you for your providence and your guidance in this difficult time of our lives where we are unsure about what the next day may bring. And yet we always are sure of what you have in store for us. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for the gift of the life that is to come. And we give you the, we thank you for the gift of peace that rules over everything. In your name, amen.
special things that, that God is presenting for us as we're, as we're going through these challenges. And, and some of the things that I think about is uh, <laughs> right now we have all of our, our, our family back in the house with us uh, that we weren't anticipating. Uh, and, and it has been a praise uh, having the kids back home with us uh, that we weren't anticipating. Um, the, the family time, the, the the differences that this challenge has brought and, and, and more family time. Um, just ref reflecting on uh, because of this COVID-19 and I, so the, the message that I hope you can get out of this, this song that, that we're going to share this morning is even though we're going through this storm as, as a community, as a church, as a nation, uh, and as uh, a, a globe, God is, is putting this in front of us for a reason, and we shouldn't be cursing him for that, but we should be praising him for that because there's something positive that we can get out of it. I was sure by now, God, that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you, and as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away, and I'll praise you through this storm, and 
Good morning, Gretna. It's Pastor Rob. So glad to be here today and so glad that you were able to join us. If you're just joining us for the first time in a while, welcome. Uh, we are starting the second week of a series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And really the goal of this series is to kind of walk through text, scriptures, verses that we commonly think we know what they say and what they're intending for us to do, but maybe Maybe God has a deeper meaning connected to those verses. 
maybe they're designed to help us grow in a way that we don't generally understand. Sometimes we also put things in the Bible that weren't there to begin with. And we covered some of that last week. We talked about Benjamin Franklin's phrase of God helps those who help themselves. That is not a, a anywhere in the scriptures. It is from the mind of a wonderful thinker, Benjamin Franklin, but not necessarily from the mind of God. Do I believe he helps those who help themselves? Of course I do. But I also believe he helps those who are helpless. Last week, within the scriptures themselves, we looked at Matthew 18, 20. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I am among them. I am with them. And generally, we use that when we're describing a smaller group of Christians who happen to be together. And we're using it as a way of reminding ourselves and encouraging ourselves that, that even in a smaller group, he is present. He is with us. And that is true. He is. He is present Always when we are together, when we are together literally in a small group or a large group in, in a sanctuary or in many small groups spread out across a great distance, he is with us. But he's also with us when we're alone. And so does that text tell us more about what that means, about his presence, or is it telling us something else? And what we decided was that that text helps us fully understand what it means to be the community of God, working together, talking to one another, dealing with challenges and dealing with difficulties, and in and amongst those conversations, God is present with us. He's a, he is in present, strengthening, strengthening us and helping us grow as individuals and as the body of Christ. This week, we're going to get into one that I've seen plastered all, all over stuff for years, um, and and I would say is arguably one of the most misused scriptures in all of the Bible. We're talking about Philippians 4.13. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now your translation might say through Christ who strengthens me. Same thing. Him is Christ. <laughs> but... We use it all the time, and we see it all the time. I've seen it um, on the backs of athletes' boxers' robes. I've seen it as they, as they walk into the ring to beat somebody up, which is an interesting concept. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've used it when I've been getting ready to take a test or, or try to get through something difficult that I'm struggling to just get through. I'd say to myself, you know what? God is there. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. But sometimes I think we use that phrase to, as a connection or a way of driving us or helping us be, um, believe more that we can achieve the goals that we're trying to set out. If we're trying to uh, become a doctor or we're trying to get through a test or we're trying to overcome an obstacle or we're trying to get a promotion or we're trying to get a raise and it just seems difficult or it seems problematic, we find ourselves saying things like, it's okay, I can do this. I'm able to do things, everything, through God who strengthens me. He is with me, and we can get through this. I can do this. And to an extent, yeah, 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 he is. But one of the things that I think we need to extricate or remove from the way we use that verse, or the way we see that verse, is the notion that God will help you achieve a personal goal that is not necessarily in line with his goals. 
It is simply not a, not a platitude to get us through difficulties and challenges and problems. It is, it is not something that, that helps us achieve what we want to achieve. What it is is something, is a phrase and a, and a verse where God says, hey, I can help you get through whatever turmoil, whatever difficulty you are challenged with. It is not a mantra for helping us achieve the American dream. It's not a mantra for um, uh, knocking somebody out in a fight. It's not a mantra for scoring a touchdown. It's not a, a mantra for any one of a number of things that we use it for. It is God expressing his desire to see us be strong, at peace, and contented in every situation, regardless of what that situation is. That This verse in Philippians 4 was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul's been through some stuff by the time he writes this verse. As he's writing it to the church in Philippi, it's a church that he established about 10 years previous. And it's, the, the tone of this letter is very, very positive. It's, it's Paul saying, I am so happy to have you with me on this journey. I am so glad that you are here to support me and are always with me. It's very, very positive. He's, he's encouraging them to grow and move forward. But Paul has been through stuff. Paul has actually started off his life at the top of the ladder, the top of the, the social ladder, the financial ladder, the stature ladder, the wealth ladder, as a, as a leader within his community of people, as a leader in the synagogue, and as a Roman citizen. Paul has everything as he starts off his life, only to be blinded by Christ, and to be literally in the book of Acts, and to be reborn in him into a new life. And along the way, something changes. In fact, he talks about it in the, earlier in Philippians. In Philippians 3, he talks about this, this knowledge of Christ causes a change in his priorities. He says it in chapter 3, 7, and 8. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, the things that he had before he knew Jesus, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. And more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss everything in view of the surpassing value of knowing my Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, okay, great. Why are we going through all of this material? We are because I want us to understand the context in which Paul writes this verse. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Because Paul writes this at the end of the letter. It is the summary argument or summary discussion in where he's heading. And we sometimes extricate that. Paul has already described in chapter 1 of Philippians, he describes all of his experiences and all of these difficulties and giving up all that he had, going from being the persecutor to the persecuted, right? And as he's writing the letter, Paul is literally in prison, by the way, again, because that was a pretty common occurrence for Paul, in prison again and goes so far as to say I'm in prison not in spite of Christ but but actually because of Christ and I'm willing to be here because of that and then in in chapter two he exhorts or encourages the people of God to be of one mind of the mind of Christ and remember the humility that Christ showed on the cross coming down giving up all that he had 
giving up his seat in heaven so that he could come down on earth and be nailed to a cross. Be humbled is the word that Paul uses. Humility in coming to know him. And he says through that, he was made righteous and through that we are made righteous. And then, as I said, in chapter three, this, this switch that flips, right? Of him saying, all of my priorities, everything I valued before I knew the Lord, right? The approval of others, uh, wealth, which I've said, stature, job, even in some ways, family, have all taken a back seat upon the discovery of this incredible thing, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my salvation in him being the most important thing I have. And that is super critical because as we get into chapter four, as we go in to read this text, we're gonna read, by the way, Philippians 4, 10 through 14. As we read that, that is where Paul is coming from. That is where he is as he writes this. So let's jump into that. Philippians 4, 10 through 14, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. He's talking to the church in Philippi. You were in fact concerned about me, but you lacked an opportunity to show it. That means they didn't have any money. I don't say this out of need for I have learned so important. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Remember, Paul? Rich, poor, right? In prison as he's writing this letter. By the way, for the last time, though we do not know um, how Paul passed away, uh, the uh, first century Christian writer Eusebius seems to think that Paul was actually beheaded by the emperor Nero or one of his subordinates. And Paul would have been writing to this letter writing this letter to the Philippians as he's in prison during that period, right before he is to meet the end of his earthly life. So as he's writing this, he says, I know how to make do, verse 12, I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether, whether, being, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And still, you did well by partnering with me in this hardship. I think the key in understanding what the the verse we're talking about today, Philippians 4.13, really means is in that word, do. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, we're, we're, we consider ourselves to be a nation of doers, right? We get things done. We make it happen. We get the job done. Um, and and, and, and we, we take pride in that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. And so that's, but that's the word we, we tend, that's the definition we tend to apply to this word dude. This, this idea of performing or executing or accomplishing, making something happen, right? But, but there's also another definition for it. The word do can be used as a, as a way of, of helping us understand how we're faring. As in, I do or I fare well in school. Or how we're managing, we can do or manage without help. Or, if something is, and I think this is key, 
if something is sufficient. Um, you know, Heather and I, uh, we both drink coffee. In case you don't know that, I love coffee. <laughs> Heather and I both drink a lot of coffee. Me more than her, let's be honest. <laughs> but I drink black coffee. Heather drinks a coffee with two creams and a sugar. That is her preferred combination. It may vary at times, but I've noted over 20 years <laughs> that that is her preferred combination. And when, when I'm making coffee for Heather and I'm asking her how much milk to put in and I'm starting to pour it in, when she says, that will do, the message there is very, very clear. The message there is, that's enough. In fact, that's not just enough. It's exactly what I needed or exactly what I wanted. And so our, our understanding of that word do, that, that definition of the word do, I think sometimes we could, we could better phrase it as I am able to be sufficient in all things, regardless. Remember what this says. It says I can be, I can be sufficient when I'm poor. I can be sufficient when I'm rich. I can be sufficient when I have much. And I can be sufficient when I have nothing. And sometimes we, we like to think that having things is, is going to somehow make us more sufficient, that our life will be better or that our connection to the Lord will be good or our mental state will be stronger. And we're seeing right now many of us who are without jobs, who are on furlough from Honda or who are at home. Um, we're seeing what life can feel like if we put our hopes in those things and now they are suddenly gone. The challenge is that they, they weren't sufficient to begin with. See, if we back up a little more in Philippians 4, as Paul writes here, to some of my two favorite verses in all of Scripture, it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious in anything, but in all things, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be given to you in Jesus Christ. As Paul writes the people of Philippi, he's trying to help them understand that if you're, if, you're, if you're wondering why you can't be content without enough money or enough possessions or the right relationships or the right lifestyle or the right whatever it is, it's because you're trying to fill a hole that you were never meant to fill with those things. They were meant to be filled with the peace of God. And Paul has gone through this transformation where he really thought in his early life that his identity, his fulfillment, his sufficiency came from being zealous in persecuting others in the name of God. Where, where his stature and his, his job and his, the way people looked at him because of it and the money he had and his status as a Roman citizen and all of those things, those were the things that gave him his sufficiency and it took him literally being blinded and dropped to his knees to recognize that it was not. Those were not the things that were going to make him sufficient in all situations. Those were not the things that were going to carry him through whatever life may deal. Because life does. As much as our current COVID challenge or crisis is, is what's making life difficult right now, 
at the end of the day, it is just another thing, right? If you've lived in a, a, an area that's subject to flooding, there have been moments when you've been flooded. If you're in an area like we were in Arkansas where the tornado sirens during the season went off probably once every two weeks, and you'd see houses destroyed, entire towns destroyed. It was a moment, a horrible moment. And a horrible moment, those horrible moments, we sometimes struggle to get through because we really were not finding our sufficiency, our purpose, our value, our meaning, our strength in the things of God before they happen. Now, to be sure, as we said last week, God helps the helpless. God will be here with you to speak into your life, and maybe he will use one of those moments in time, if you had not been with him before, to, to reach down and help you understand what your priorities need to be. Absolutely. But wouldn't it be easier if we just get that up front? <laughs> if we just understand and engage with this thing that will make us sufficient that will give us peace in the midst of turmoil, that will allow us to be content in all circumstances, whether we have much or we have little, whether we can go out of the house or we can't, right? Whether we can see our friends or not see our friends. That's not to diminish the difficulty or the challenge or the difficulty, but it is to say that even in the midst of all things, if I have Christ, everything else is of lesser importance because he is the source of all of those good things we chase in so many other ways. He is love. He is patience. He is kindness. He is goodness. He is the establisher of our value. You are valuable because God says so. You don't need anything else or any other possession to say that in order for it to be true. And God may be using this time that we're in right now, the difficulties that you're dealing with. Maybe you've, you've dialed in here on a Sunday morning for the first time. You've, you've, you just happened across a Facebook post or something and said, I'm here. I believe if you are, you're here because God wants you here. There's a reason he drew you to that. And maybe he's using that moment to call you to say your sufficiency, being good in all things that happen to you comes through me. Maybe he is. And my hope, my hope is that you will raise your hand and say, yes, I'm ready to talk about what that means, what that means to know the peace of God, what that means to, to find that holiness and that strength and that fulfillment in the things that really matter, and that is the Lord, in the pursuit of him, in accepting him as your savior, and coming to know him in ways that we never thought humanly possible, you know, a lot of people have let me down in my life, as I'm sure I've let others down too. But I can honestly say God doesn't. God will not let you down. And if that's you, if that's new to you, we would love for you to tell us. That's for sure, because we want to help you walk through that. But if, if you've known Christ for a time and you still find yourself beaten down in these moments, I feel so hurt for you. 
My heart hurts, my heart aches. And more importantly, I believe God's heart aches. He wants to see you healed. He wants to see you knowing your value and your worth and knowing that you can endure times of plenty and times of nothing with him. And I, and I would ask you to return to that. Return to that savior you know. Because life comes only through him. You know, Steph Curry is a, a guard for the Golden State Warriors. And, uh, you know, he's considered by many to have maybe one of the best shooting motions ever. He's one of the best pure shooters ever in the history of the NBA. And he is. The dude can light it up from anywhere. And for all the stature and all the accolades and all the money he has, I don't know him personally, but from afar, I admire much of what he says. I admire his heart. I'm going to give you a quote from him. It says this. It says, I know why I play the game, basketball. It's not to score 30 points a night, but it's to use the stage I am on I've been put here for a specific purpose, to be a witness and to share my testimony as I go through it. As a man who has the money, he has the stature, he has everything that we pine for or think we're gonna find our value in. And still he says that my purpose above all else is to be a witness for the Lord. At the end of the day, that is who we should all be, (laughs) right? Connected to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and seeing him as the most important thing. Because when we do, and I'm just gonna tell you from personal experience, when my eyes are focused clearly on him, and I have my moments when they're not, but when my eyes are focused clearly on him, I really am content in all situations. I really am at peace, regardless of what's swirling around me. And I I badly, and this is Rob talking, I badly want all of you to have the same. I've been, uh, many of you know, I, I kind of, I, I, I look at, I use social media some. I use um, TikTok and, and Facebook and I Instagram. And um, I have to tell you, I'm alarmed at what I've seen, uh, especially in TikTok, especially in the last three or four weeks because it's getting darker and darker and darker. And you can almost see, you can almost see people mentally breaking down in the midst of this. And I want so badly to be able to reach through the camera, right? And say, you can find your strength 
your sufficiency, your peace that surpasses all understanding, your strength in the midst of this turmoil, your strength in the midst of this pain, whether you have much or you have nothing, you can find that all in one and only one place, and that is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm recording this on a, on a Saturday morning uh, with Gregory back there. And uh, earlier this morning, um, a member of our church passed away. Keith, Keith Reevestall passed away after a long, long, hard road in battle. If you know his story, um, he's had three organ transplants uh, and had a wonderful extension of life because of those things greatly blessed but one of the things that really strikes me about Keith is that even in the midst even in the midst of all he's going through and all he's dealing with he never wavered He never wavered from who his Lord is and where his strength comes from. My heart weeps now not for him. My heart weeps now for Deb and Tiffany and Shelby and those that he has left behind. And unfortunately, I've been able to see lots of people go through lots of difficulties like that. And I'm here to tell you, there is a profound difference between those who knew the Lord and those who did not. And I'm telling you, you want the peace that he had. I'm telling you. That God is there waiting that he is sufficient for you no matter what you think brought you value before. That he loves you. That he is with you through all of your days and all you have to do is turn to him and say, I'm ready. I'm gonna close this in a time of prayer. Um, I'm gonna pray especially for um, Deb girls in the Reefstall family. Let's, let's do that. Oh, Father God, I am humbled, humbled that you would find us worthy being humiliated for. That you would find us worthy of dying for. You know, I lift up today your servant, Keith, who is standing at your right hand right now. You've got him in your arms. You are holding him tightly and saying, welcome home. 
And those of us who knew Keith, we have to be so blessed by the witness that was his life. His steadfast belief in you, his desire to reach out and pray for others. His sense of humor that made us all laugh. But I also lift up today the girls. I lift up Deb and Tiffany and Shelby. I pray that you will help them remember the wonderful times and the good times. And help them carry forward the lessons of their dad. Father, we are thankful for every moment we have. I am mindful today also of others who are sick and who are hurting, who are recovering from various injuries and who are just feeling beaten down and alone in the midst of this shelter-in-place order in this season. It is my prayer that you will shine brightly into their lives in such a way that they will turn only to you. It is my prayer that you will be with all of us as we seek wholeness in the midst of turmoil, that we seek peace in the midst of chaos. Lord God, we are so blessed to know you. We are so blessed to have your son. We are grateful for his mercies. We are grateful for his grace. We are grateful for his sacrifice. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray, amen. Love you very much, Gretna. Uh, hope to see you again very, very soon. God bless.
is perfect in grace you meet us here there is no fear in love no fear in love no fear in love teach us to see redemption seen dream visions our eyes have never seen your kingdom now and here marked by your love and not our fear marked by your Redemption story, the fear. 